My name's Ashley. I've got the girl's name. I'm Ashley, and this is my wife, Carly. You want to give me a wave, Carly? And uh, we're, uh, amen. Our ministry is called Teradez Ministries. Um, we worked for Andrew Romack Ministries. In fact, Carly still does. She runs the conference department. But I used to work for Andrew Romack Ministries and Carrie. So I've been with them for uh, 11 years. Been with Andrew for 11 years. A great ministry. If you don't know about Andrew Romack Ministries, I'd recommend checking him out. His email, his, his uh, website is awmi.net. But you can just Google Andrew Romack. There's lots of free teaching on there. You'd be really blessed. And there's a lot of Caris people in the house, people from Caris Bible College who have been involved with Caris Bible College. So welcome. A lot of people from the Springs as well come down. So I want to welcome you all. Um, you know, uh, Pastor Mike's away, the, the senior pastor here. If you're visiting, Pastor Mike Davis and his wife Melody are away. And um, they're in Africa, gone to Africa to visit uh, Melody's parents. But you know, um, when you let someone else preach in your church, it's a little bit like, you know, if you've got kids, it's like leaving them with a childminder. <laughs> you know? And you know, I remember we've got three kids. In fact, we've got a, put up a, there's a picture of me and my wife, I think, getting, there, there's my three kids. So there's Zachary on the left, he's with me, he's running the table. And then he's uh, 17, then Josh is on the right, he's 16. He's got a men's leadership meeting this morning, so he couldn't make it. And then Hannah, she's 14 and a half, she's our daughter there, and she's just lazy, she's in bed. So she couldn't make it anyway, <laughs> she's just 14. But anyway, they're our kids, our three kids. And I remember the first time we left them with a childminder when they were little, it was a little bit of a heartbreak, you know, you've got to leave, you're trusting your kids with these people, you know. And this is like, a little bit like Pastor Mike's doing, he's trusting his church with us. And here's the thing, you know, you want, them, you want your kids to have a good time, right, with a childminder. But not too good at a good time. You know, when you come back, you want them to feel a little bit like, we missed you, mummy, we missed you, daddy, okay? So here's what we're going to do today, okay? No matter how good I preach this morning, no matter how good my, pre- my wife preaches next week, because Kylie's going to teach next week, doesn't matter how good it is, okay? When Pastor Mike comes back and asks you, they say, he says, how was Ashley and Carly? You go, eh, we missed you, Pastor Mike. We missed the meat of the word. We missed your teaching. And then, you know what? It'll make you feel better, okay? If we do terrible and we bomb... Just say, man, we miss you, Pastor Mike, and you can be more genuine. But um, so that's right. he might be listening to this. Eh? He might listen to these recordings. I'm sorry, Pastor Mike. He's checking out my doctrine to make sure I don't say anything, any, any heresy. But no, they're great people. You're at a great church. If you're visiting, you haven't got a home church, I can wholeheartedly recommend this church. I know Pastor Mike is a good friend of mine. He's full of integrity and full of the Word of God and full of the love of Jesus. Amen. So you are blessed to be here, praise God. And I'm honored that he'd asked me and my wife to come and, and minister to you this morning and then next week as well. And real quickly, the books, yeah, um, Elijah did a good job with the books. This is the best book I've ever written. It's the only book I've ever written. But who needs, this is Thorns, Barnes and Old Jars. People say, that's a funny name, Thorns, Barnes and Old Jars. What's that about? Well, you'll have to buy the book to find out what it's about. But it's actually about the work of your hands. It's about stewardship of your finances and about giving, the power of giving and receiving. So who needs uh, help with their finances? Who needs a breakthrough in their finances or help with their finances? That lady right there, could you give that to the lady behind you? That'll be great. Thank you. And then this is the best book my wife's ever written. It really is. My wife was healed of a grand mal seizure epilepsy. That means she couldn't drive a car. She couldn't be left on her own with the kids. She was in a bad way. In fact, I used to get phone calls regularly uh, from hospitals saying your wife turned up at this hospital because she'd had a seizure somewhere out in public. So she was on 11 different medications. And then uh, 14 years ago, God completely healed her of grandma's seizure epilepsy. She not had one medication. She not had one seizure, one fit or anything in 14 years. Amen. So we, amen. And then our daughter, Hannah, who you saw, our daughter, Hannah, she was uh, three years old. And she was so sick, the doctors gave her two weeks to live. She was in nine-month-old baby clothes. Not, not nine-month-old, like they were brand-new baby clothes. They weren't like they were nine months. Someone said, why did you put her in nine-month-old baby clothes? Didn't you buy her new baby clothes? <laughs> they were new baby clothes for the size of a nine-month-old baby. 
But that's how small she was when she was three years old. She, never, she could never eat solid food. She had a, a disease called enocynic enteropathy, a very rare disease that was killing her, basically. And her hair fell out. She was very thin. She lost a lot of weight. Her skin went translucent. And she was near death. She was in Great Ormond Street Hospital, which is one of the best children's hospitals in the world. And they said to us, uh, take her home for two weeks. Now, afterwards, they tried everything. They put a, a tube directly into her stomach. They were pumping formula into her 24 hours a day. They said to us, uh, take her home for two weeks. And in two weeks, bring her back and we'll try something else. Well, I spoke to the doctors afterwards and they told me they expected her to live a week, but they just didn't have the heart to tell us. That's why they said take her home for two weeks. They didn't think they'd see her again. We didn't take her home. We took her to a conference. We took her to, to get prayer. And we believed in the Word of God. We believed that it was God's will to heal every time. We believed God was a good God. And we believed that if we wanted our daughter well, God wanted our daughter well as too. So we had her prayed for. It was a very simple prayer. The prayer minister spoke life to her. They, said they spoke life in Jesus' name into her body. They cursed the disease and told the disease to leave. And that was in March, that was in March 2006. And today, she's 14 and a half years old. She is 100% healthy. She's not had one bit of doctor's treatment. She's not had one bit of medication. She's not had one symptom. She's 100% healthy and normal. Amen? Praise God. Isn't God good? And what he's done for us, what he's done for us, he'll do for you. God is no respecter of person. He's a respecter of faith. And he loves you. And he's only got good things for you. So that is miracles made easy. Who needs a miracle? Who needs a healing? Who needs a miracle? That's that gentleman right there. There you go, sir. Pass that back. Thank you. Praise God. And then real quickly, I've got a couple of other things. This is Cartley's teaching. It's called, Who Do You Think You Are? She says this to me sometimes. Who do you think you are? And um, it's about your identity in Christ. And inside here is one of these confession cards. There's a, there's a CD teaching on your identity. And there's also a confession card. This confession card is powerful. It gives you all the scriptures about who you are in Christ. And this will help you. I do this daily because it helps you remember who you are in Christ. And we can look in the mirror and see who we are naturally. Okay, but we can look in the Word of God and see who we are in the Spirit, who we really are. And the Word of God will tell you exactly who you are in the Spirit, regardless of how you think, feel, what other people tell you, what your parents have told you, what your boss tells you, what your kids tell you, what your dog tells you. You are 100% what the Word says you are. And you have to take it by faith because sometimes it's hard to believe. But you know what? On this card it says things like, you lack no good thing. You have an abundance for every good work. You was predestined by God for success. Uh, you're the head and not the tail. You're above the circumstances and not beneath them. Your faith can move mountains. Your words contain life and death. And it goes on and on and on. God's favour encircles you. And every single one of them is a scripture. And it's written out. The scripture's written out for you. So that would really help you. And that comes with this teaching here as well. So who needs help with identity in Christ? You need help with your identity? There you go, sir. You, grab, you, you can have that. And then, uh, I said that was the last one. Two more, quickly. Okay. Dress for Success. This is a course called Dress for Success. Uh, my wife, Carly, uh, uh, wrote this course. It's a nine-part course um, I teach on it I teach on how to hear the voice of God how many of you like to hear the voice of God clearer sometimes we think is it God speaking to me is it the devil speaking to me is it my flesh speaking to me is it was the the cheese pizza I ate last night speaking to me what is it that's speaking to me I don't understand this course will help you understand the voice of God it will help you understand it's nothing to do with fashion dress for success it's to do with the armor of God Ephesians 6 talks about the full armor of God and my wife says on here are you a streaking Christian so have you got the helmet of salvation but nothing else? I just run around with the helmet of salvation. <laughs> Whew, that's a bad image. You know that image? No, that's a bad image. We're not going to do no practical illustrations. But Address for Success is going to teach you how to live the Christian life, how to live the victorious life. Um, so that will really bless you, how to live the victorious life. Who needs to learn how to live the victorious life? There you go, sir. Pass it back. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Wasn't the worship awesome this morning? Thank you, Daniel. That was awesome. Praise God. I love it. And this is uh, my course on practical prosperity. I love to teach people how to make money 
the biblical way. I like to teach people how to make money for Jesus. I like to teach people how to manage their finances, how to make extra money, how to uh, get out of debt, and how to do things like that, how to, um, how to give the right way. And, um, and this, in this course, it teaches you all that, and it also teaches you uh, the enemies to your prosperity. How many of you know the way we think sometimes can hinder our prosperity? So if we think wrong, then it's going to hinder our prosperity. This is a nine-part course. There's also a curriculum in here as well. So this will really help you. So who needs help with their prosperity? Who needs help with their... This lady back here, you can, you can grab that. Could you pass that back? I can't go too far because the microphone messes up. Thank you. You're blessed. So they're all back there. I've got, we've got some other stuff back there. We also have a deal where if you can't decide what to get, just get everything. And then we've got one special price if you do that. And um, as Elijah was saying, everything is... Uh, uh, donations, tax deductible. We have a 501c3, Territus Ministries. Um, I left Andrew Rummett Ministries about three months ago, and I'm not taking any salary from our ministry. Our ministry money is going back into our ministry. So I have a non, I have a for-profit as well that I live off of. But this is our non-profit. So all this money you're putting in here is going to go to spreading the gospel. We're making uh, TV shows at the moment that are going across YouTube and Facebook and the internet TV. We're visiting places that can't always. Uh, you know, pay our expenses. We're going to Asia soon. We're doing lots of things to get Jesus out there. Praise God. Get the good news of God's God's grace message out there. So, if you want to support us, you can you can buy product. You can partner with us and things like that. Praise God. We take cash, checks, credit cards, gold, jewelry, IOU, anything you want to get back there. But my son Zach will help you. Praise God. So. That's awesome. I'm so pleased to be here. Praise the Lord. So, you know what? Um, and then one more thing. TerraDesMinistries.com is our website. TerraDesMinistries.com. It's on the screen. Doo-doo. It's on the screen. And TerraDes is Spanish. My dad is actually Spanish. He moved to England when he was 19. So that's where uh, TerraDes comes from. If you can roll your R's, if you can roll your R's, you can say TerraDes, but I can't roll my R's, so I can't say my own name. But that's where TerraDes <laughs> comes from. But it's great for Google SEO. If you type in Teradez, just Teradez, we get the first five pages of Google, and I didn't pay a penny for that. So I used to hate my name because I couldn't spell it and couldn't say it, but now I love it. So Teradez Ministries, and you can also connect to us on Facebook. Every Friday night at 6 p.m., we have a Facebook Live program. And this, this Friday, we're going to be taking questions from the audience. We have thousands of people. In fact, last Friday's shows had over 10,000 individual people watch it. So you can go to, Ter- you can go to my Facebook, Ashley Teradez, and watch our show. It's at 6 p.m. live. Um, on Friday night, every Friday night, we're going to be taking your questions, we're going to be praying for you. Carly had a word of knowledge for someone last week, and the person got healed, they messaged us. So we see amazing things happen. It's only for about half an hour or so. So go to my Facebook, and, um, and I'm also on Twitter and YouTube. You know that YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook are all merging into one big... It's going to be YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And they're all going to get together and make one big social media conglomerate. And the name of it's going to be called You Twitface. But anyway, so... <laughs> I tell, I tell people, look, they say, how many times are you going to use that joke, Ashley? I say, if people are laughing, I'm telling it. Sometimes I'm the only one laughing, but I'm still telling the joke. People say, why do you laugh at your own jokes, Ashley? I say, because sometimes I'm the only one who's laughing. So anyway, you can check us out, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We're out there. Praise the Lord. So get your Bibles. Let's get our Bibles out before, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Let's, let's get, my wife's like, yes, get your Bible out. Get your Bibles out. Praise the Lord. Look up Matthew 6. We're going to look at Matthew 6. Verse 24. This is Matthew 6, verse 24. And this is called Faith and Finances. And um, praise the Lord, I believe the clocks go faster in Pueblo than the, than the springs. Because, I mean, it's going fast. We live in Colorado Springs, in case you wondered. We are not natives from Colorado, in case you're wondering. We are from England. We're from the second best country in the world. And we now live in the best country in the world. So thanks. Amen. Thanks for having us. And we're legal. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> <laughs> so it cost us a lot of money, but they did injections, 
They, I mean, if you want to be a resident, if you, I mean, tenure, it, it takes, anyway, it took a lot of money. They did, I had to go for a medical, I'll get started. I had to go for a medical, and my wife said, I said, what type of medical is this? Said, oh, a little bit of blood pressure, they'll take a bit of blood work, it'll be fine. I said, are you sure? They said, yeah. I said, I don't have to get naked or anything. She said, no, 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 just a little bit of blood work. Okay, so I walk in there, she gives me this gown, she put this on. And I was like, oh, no, please. Gloves. I'm like, so anyway, I'm American, and they know everything about me, I tell you. So anyway, they do, and then they had to do this thing where they do the TB test. And I said, look, I'm from England. In England, they give us the TB vaccination as kids, okay? So I'm vaccinated against TB. So if you try and test me for TB, I'll come up positive. So I said, can't you just do the chest x-rays and, and I can prove to you I haven't got TB? They said, no, we have to do the test first. So I said, what happens? With it? They said, we don't know. We don't know what happens. So I Googled it. <laughs> We've never had a positive test. So I Googled it. It says, your arm will inflame like a spider bite. So I said, okay. So they did the test, and my arm inflamed like a spider bite. And they got all these people in there. Come and see this. So all these doctors are gathering around, about 20 of them. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's big, isn't it? They're measuring it. Oh, yeah, that's, you must have TB. I haven't got TB. I'm inoculated against TB. So they said, go and get your chest x-rays. For another $300 later, I come back. Here's my deal to say I haven't got TB. It turns out you haven't got TB. So I could have told you that. Could have saved us all about $600 and told you that. But anyway, I love America. It was hard getting here, but I love it, praise God. And we're here for life. This is our home now, praise God. So Matthew 6.24. Matthew 6.24 says this. This is Jesus speaking. It's in red. I tell people the whole Bible is important. Every single word of the Bible is infallible. It's God's word. It's inspired. But the parts in red are extra important because they're Jesus' words. And, you know, that's where the utility companies get it from. If it's in red, it's important. So if you see something in red, remember, this is Jesus speaking. This is Matthew 6, verse 24. And he says, no one, how many? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Some translations say mammon. Uh, the New King James there, mammon. A lot of translations say money. That word mammon is the old English word for money. You cannot serve God and money. And here's the deal. A lot, how many of you want to serve money? Woo, you just want to serve money. You want to love money. You've got a love for money. And you're just going to serve money and, and uh, not be loyal to God. No one, right? Sometimes people put their hand up because they're not listening and they feel embarrassed. But <laughs> no one wants to serve money. But I got to thinking, you know, how many times does money tell us what to do and we don't even realise it? So how many times, I do this all the time, I go to a restaurant, let's see what's, filet mignon, Whew. aged, aged filet mignon, $45, Whoa, hang on a minute, let's look down here on the right hand side, $10, today I really fancied spam, that's exactly why I fancied spam, that's what I woke up, money's just told us what to eat, right? Money sometimes can tell us how much to give in the offering, Money can tell us what to do with our time every day for eight hours. Money can tell us what to wear. Money can tell us all sorts of things. If money is speaking to us and telling us what to do, then has money become our master? Because you think about it, a master tells a servant what to do. A servant never tells a master what to do. And I'm talking to myself here. A lot of the time I'm like, man, have I just made a decision because money's told me to? So if it's a major decision we're making, the first thing I often think of is, can we afford it? Or how are we going to pay for it? Or how's that going to work out financially? I know lots of people that say, actually, I'd love to, I'd love to go part-time my job and spend more time with my kids. Or I'd love to go to Bible school. Or I'd love to start a ministry. I'd love to start a small business. But how am I going to afford it? And money is telling you what to do. 
Now this can be challenging, I'm, I deal with it all the time as well, because money is very real, it's tangible, we need money to operate in this world. So we say, I don't want money, I will go ahead, have fun with that. But while we're in this world, we need money. And it's amazing how money will speak to us. Now money is the least thing, Jesus said money is the least thing. So I like to tell people, I often teach on the very least thing, the least important thing there is. That's what I teach you on finances. I teach you on the least thing. But you know what? It's the least thing, but it's also so important because it's a gauge for other things. And if we don't deal with this, sometimes it's hard to deal with other things. People say, well, I don't see that, actually. Well, we won't go there now, but if you look up Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 19, parable of the sower, Jesus says there's three things that choke the word in your life. Three thorns that choke the word in your life, and they're all financially related. Cares this world... The, the, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things, all financially related. So if we don't get our relationship with finances right, then it can hinder us in our walk with God. It can hinder us in receiving from God and it can hinder our lives, praise God. So we really need to make sure we have a right relationship with finances. Hear me this morning. I'm not talking about how much money you have got or how much money you haven't got. It's not important right now. It doesn't matter if you're in debt, if you've got no money or if you've got some money. It doesn't matter if you've got a lot of money. It doesn't matter. It's how do you see money? What's your relationship to money? I've got friends who are very wealthy, but yet they have, a fear, they have a poverty mindset and they have a fear of spending money and fear of losing money. I know people that haven't got so much, but they've got the right relationship with money. So it's all about, and vice versa. It's all about what is your relationship with money. The bottom line is this, you've got to know this, God wants you to prosper. God wants you to prosper financially, but you're going to struggle to prosper financially if you haven't got the right relationship with money and if you're letting money call the shots. Okay, if you're letting money call the shops all the time, you're not listening to God. We, we're children of God. If you're born again today, we're children of God. And we should be listening to God first. Now, there's some responsibility with this. I don't want you to go crazy and go, God told me to buy a brand new Cadillac and I've got no money. No, I'm saying use wisdom. But at the same time, listen to God's voice first. And if he tells you to do something, he'll provide the finances to go with it. He's told us to do things before that do not make sense in the natural. I'm like, ooh, Lord. That doesn't add up. I know my maths. That doesn't add up. But you know what? Because he's told us to do it, we've taken that first step, praise God, and it's worked out and it's worked out and it's worked out. Um, and I could tell you so many stories about how, how it's worked out, praise God. So I believe if we had the right relationship with money, it's amazing how uh, we can grow in other areas as well. So the first thing I want to talk about today is why does God want you prosperous? People say, Ashley, it's very selfish telling people they should prosper and they should believe in God for financial prosperity. And you know what? There's reasons why God wants us to prosper. And here's some of them real quickly. The first one is, you know what? He loves you. He wants you to prosper because he loves you. God loves you. James 1.17 says he has good things for you. God has good gifts for you. God's a good father. We sang it this morning. God's a good, good father. And if you're a parent today, you know you want good things for your children. You don't want your children to be suffering. You want good things for your children. So he loves us. And that's one of the reasons why he wants us to prosper. Third John 2, you know, beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Um, Ecclesiastes 3.13 says, Every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labour. This is a gift of God. Okay, the second reason is, so God loves us, the second reason is financial prosperity is a blessing, not a curse. Amen. I've been to churches where they think if you're poor, you're more spiritual. And it's amazing. Now, on the outside, some people look at me and say, are you sure about this prosperity? Actually, you're driving an old car there with 200,000 miles on it. I say, amen, I love it. If this car breaks down, I can just leave it on the side of the road, walk away. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great feeling to have. So I'm not saying I'm always going, we've had nice cars as well, but we've, actually we've given away a lot nicer cars than we drive now. It's interesting. That, that's what just happens to us because for me personally, I don't want, at the moment, anyway, long story, but 
We've got a paid-for house in Colorado Springs. It's 300,000, you know, 3,000 square foot, nice paid-for house. We don't, owe, we don't owe anyone anyone. We've got no bills. We've we got no debt. We've got no credit cards, no business loans. We've got no mortgages. We've got no car payments. We've got nothing. We've, we've, we paid for our washer and dryer. We paid for our sofa. We paid for our cars. We paid for our house, praise God. So we don't owe anyone anything. Um, why, do I, why do I talk about that? I forget now. But anyway, it's a blessing. Some churches I've been to, not this church, but some churches I've been to, they think it's a blessing to be poor. Oh, the poor pastor or the poor missionary, they, need to be, they should be poor. You know? And it's more spiritual. It's not spiritual to be poor. And telling you what, Jesus had money. The disciples had money. They were businessmen. It takes money to spread the gospel. So every time poverty was mentioned in the Bible, you can look up, not now, but look up Deuteronomy 28, the last half of that chapter, 15 through 27, or 15 through 57, Deuteronomy 28 is all about poverty and all about lack, and it's a curse. And then Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, is all about prosperity, about financial abundance, and it's all a blessing. Every time in the Bible it talks about financial prosperity, it's a blessing. Every time it talks about financial lack and, and poverty, it's a curse. So being, being financially blessed is a blessing. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. The third thing is he desires to establish his covenant. This is the most important reason, I believe, or one of the most important reasons. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. We need to remember the Lord our God, for it is he, our God, who gives us the power to get wealth so that he can establish his covenant. People often pray, oh Lord, just, just rain down the money. Let the money rain. God's not going to rain down money on us. God's not just going to, he doesn't counterfeit money. He hasn't got money in heaven. He gives us the power to get wealth. He's given you and me as Christians the power to get wealth. And the reason why he's given us the power to get wealth is so he can establish his covenant. Have you know it costs money to send missionaries around the world? It costs money to put TV programs on telling people about the love of God. It costs money to print books and give things away. It costs money to travel. It costs money to run a church. It costs money to do these things. It costs money to help people, benevolence and things like that. We have sponsored kids. Uh, it costs money for that. It costs money to do things like that. And you know what? It's helping God establish his covenant. He wants to show the world how much he loves them. He wants to show the world his love and his grace and his mercy. And it takes money to do that. So it's to establish his covenant. The fourth reason is Jesus paid for it. It's part of the atonement. Jesus paid for your financial prosperity. You know, um, 2 Corinthians um, 5.17 talks about he became... 2 Corinthians 5.21, I should say, says that he became sin so that us through his sin might become righteous. We might become the righteous of God, okay? So the cross was the exchange life. Jesus became sin even though he committed no sin and we got righteousness, his righteousness in exchange. 1 Peter 2.24, he took stripes on his back. He took a sickness in his body. He took stripes on his back. He took physical pain on him in 1 Peter 2.24 so that we might be healed. It's the same with finances. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, so Jesus was rich in heaven. He was very rich, praise God. Heaven's uh, uh, streets are paved with gold. I'm not sure how that works, what type of tyres you need on. You're going to discount tyres, say, do you want winter tyres or summer tyres? I want them tyres with gold streets. I'm not sure that's, and there's going to be cars there because I love cars. People say I'm carnal, but I do, I love cars. Anyway, so um, he, he, though he was rich, he became poor. So he came to earth and he gave up that, them riches. He was so poor when he died on the cross, he had nothing to his name. He had nothing, even his clothes were taken from him. So Jesus became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. It's right there. Now you say, actually, actually that verse is talking about, you know, riches in heaven. It's talking about, you know, relationships. It's talking about spiritual richness. You can apply it to all that. That's no problem. 
But this verse, if you read it in context, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 2 Corinthians chapters 9 is talking all about finances. It's talking all about giving. It's talking about money. It's talking about stewardship. It's financial chapters. It's two chapters full of finances. So you cannot take this verse out of context. If you take a verse, you've heard this, right? If you take a a text out of context, you're left with a con. So you cannot take this out of context. This verse in context is talking about your physical money. It's talking about your finances. Though that he became poor for our sake through his poverty, we might become rich. So Jesus paid for it. Why wouldn't we want it if Jesus paid for it? He paid for our sin so we could be righteous. He paid for our sickness so we could be healed. He paid for our poverty. He took our poverty and our lack to the tree so that we might become prosperous, praise God. It's the exchange life. I look at it like this. You know, imagine a boxer. He's having a boxing match, okay? We have these in England. We had like, uh, who do we have in England? Like, um... Uh, the, the funny guy, was it Len- not Lennox Lewis? No, Lennox Lewis was American, right? Was Lennox Lewis American or English? You had Mike Tyson. We had Lennox Lewis, that was it. And then we also had Harry, yeah, anyway. The heavyweight boxers, I was a kid, I used to watch these guys, and they used to box and fight each other 12 rounds or whatever, and then like one of them would fall down, and the, and the ref would count one, two, three, or whatever they do. Who's that wrestling? One, one, two, three. Or, but they do count, I think, 12 maybe, I don't know. I'm not a boxer, look. Anyway, they box. They box, and someone wins, is the point. This is the point I'm trying to make. And they get the boxer, and they lift up his arms at the end, and he might be a bit beaten up, and he goes, Adrian, and they lift up his arms, and they said, this is the champion of the world. This is the world champion right here. They lift up his arms, and they give him a big belt, big metal belt, oversized belt, and then they give him a purse, which I think is funny, because he's a, he's a man, grown man, and they give him a purse, but it's like a million-dollar prize money. They give him this prize money, and they say, here's your prize money. And they go, this is... The champion of the world. You know, in, in Romans 8.37, Paul says we are conquerors. In fact, we're more than conquerors. So in, eight, in Romans 8.37, he says we are more than conquerors. Through Jesus, because of what he's done, we're more than conquerors. So you can lift this guy's arms up and you can say, this guy is the champion of the world. This guy, he's a conqueror. Okay? He's a conqueror. Then his wife jumps in the ring. She climbs over the ropes. She walks across the ring. She gives him a kiss on the cheek. She takes that million dollar prize money and she goes down to the mall. <laughs> She's more than a conqueror, okay? He did the work, she gets the benefits, okay? Jesus did the work, Jesus took on sin, death, sickness, poverty, and we, through our relationship with him, through our born-again relationship with him, get all the benefits of what he'd done without the blood, sweat, and tears. Now, that's good news. That's grace, praise God. That's grace. Jesus has done it, and we get to receive it. Amen. That's grace, praise God. So I'm telling you, Jesus paid for our abundance. Jesus paid for our poverty. He took our poverty to the tree, and he paid for our prosperity. Um, where are we on? Number five, I think. We have something to give. We want to prosper financially so we can have something to give. Why would you not want something to give? How many times you move with compassion, you see someone, you just want to help them, that we may have something to give. Um, I believe that's... Um, Ephesians 4.28 says, have something, work with your hands that which is good so you might have something to give. The sixth reason is it enables us to help others. The Good Samaritan's a great story. I haven't got time to go into it, but the Good Samaritan, he had to have money to help that person. He had a donkey. He put him on his donkey. He took him to the hotel. He swiped his American Express. He said, I'll pay for his room. In fact, I'll pay for all his expenses while I'm gone. If he gets room service, whatever he does, he goes to the spa. I'll pay for it. When I come back, all paid for. The guy had to have money to help you know, we need money sometimes to help people. I can't tell you how many times we've helped people. We've built houses in Nicaragua. We've built Bible schools in Nepal. We've helped people on the street. We've helped uh, widows. We've helped single moms. We've helped, you know, family down the street. Their, their car blew up. We bought them a minivan. And it's like stuff like that. We just help people. That's, but it takes money to help people. 
People don't know how much you care until they care how much you know. Now you can still help people without money, but I'm telling you it's a lot easier to help people when you've got money. When you just pay their rent, you just pay their tuition, when you can just whatever it is. So so we can have something to give. Um, it enables us to help others. And then the, the last one I've got here is because we're called to be a blessing. Genesis 12, 2 says we are called to be a blessing. God has called us to be a blessing. He said, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. God wants us to be a blessing, praise God. So real quickly, I'm going to tell you three things that are really key to us prospering God's way. Grace has provided it. God wants us prosperous financially. Grace has provided it. Now it's up to us by faith to reach out and appropriate it. And there are some things we need to do. There's our part to play in that, if you like. Okay, if I wrote a check out today and said, here's a check for $50, don't get excited, I'm not going to do it. But if I wrote a check out today, here's a check for $50, and I gave it to someone, he'd have to take it down to the bank to cash it, right? Now, if I gave it to someone and he said, man, Ashley gave me $50, and you know what? I had to work for it. I said, how do you have to work for it? I had to drive down to the bank and cash it. He made me work for my $50. No, we know that I provided the $50, but he had his part to play to go and cash it. God's provided it by grace. We just have a very small part to play by faith to appropriate what he's already done. In fact, the standpoint we need on any of this, whether it's righteousness, healing, prosperity, whatever it is, it's already done. We've already got it on the inside. He's already done it. All we do is, is walk up and take the winner's medal. All we do is walk up and take the winner's trophy. But we still have a part to play by faith. Because God doesn't want anyone to, be, to, to not be saved. God wants everyone to be saved, right? Every single, there's two verses. Is everyone saved in the world? No, it's their choice. God wills everyone to be healed. Is everyone healed? No, it's their choice. God wants everyone to be prosperous. Is everyone prosperous? No, it's their choice. And this isn't just a Western thing. I've seen this work in Africa. I've seen this work in Asia. I've seen this work in South America. This will work wherever you put it. It's different in different countries. You know, some of them, it's, they've got a goat farm, you know, but to them, that's, that's huge prosperity. So I just want you to know that this will work wherever you, wherever you work it, but there are things we need to do. So here's our things we need to do real quickly. The first thing is, so you may say, well, actually, I understand, I understand that God wants me to prosper, but I'm not seeing it. Show me the money. I'm not seeing the prosperity, okay? The first thing you need to do is we need to put our hand to something. It's our responsibility to put our hand to something. Remember Deuteronomy 8, 18. He gives us the power to get wealth. He doesn't give us wealth. He gives us the power to get wealth. And I'm telling you, we need to put our hand to something, no matter what it is. I've got a friend, and some people have excuses. You know, in Proverbs it says, there's a lion in the street. I can't go outside. There's clouds. It might rain. I can't go outside. They're excuses. Most of us can put our hands to something. Whatever your situation, whatever your physical condition, whatever your well, home life is with, with looking after kids or parents, whatever it is, you could put your hand to something. It could be even a voluntary something. It could be something you're just helping out someone. Whatever it is, you could put your hand to something. And it's amazing how many people want God to bless the works of their hands, but they're not putting their hands to anything. A hundredfold of nothing is nothing. A hundredfold of zero is zero. So we need to put our hand to something and make it happen. In fact, every single time there's a supernatural uh, example of prosperity and provision in the Bible, every time there's something natural that happens first. We haven't got time to go into it, but John 2, the water into wine. Jesus, they, made, they made water into wine. They had to get the pots and fill them with water. It took faith. They had to do something tangible. Get the water pots, fill them with water, take it to the, to the master of ceremonies, and it was, it was beautiful, expensive wine. The feeding of the 5,000, they had to take a few loaves and a few fish, and Jesus ripped them and blessed them, and, and they multiplied, and it fed 15,000, 20,000 people. The axe head that floated in uh, Kings, the axe head that floated to the top of the river, they took a stick and they broke the stick and they threw the stick in the river. How many of you know, it doesn't matter if you throw a stick in the river or not, a metal axe head doesn't float. It's a miracle. 
like all these things, but there was something tangible had to happen first in the natural. They had to put their hands to something. Second Kings chapter 4, the widow woman, she had an abundance of oil. She had so much oil, it was like liquid gold. She sold the oil, got out of debt, got her, uh, husband, got her uh, uh, boys out of prison by selling the oil, but she had to do something natural. She had to get pots and put pots out. You know what? And then the, and then the oil flowed into the pots. So before any type of uh, uh, supernatural provision, Peter caught a fish and there's a, there a, uh, a coin in his mouth. You know, the, the disciples threw their nets on the other side and they caught a big catch. Whatever it is, every time there's a provision of God, there's something tangible, there's something natural that has to happen first through obedience. So we have to put our hands to something. So put your hands to something. And know this, the works of your hands are blessed. You need to start saying, thank you, Lord, the works of my hands are blessed. I don't care if you've got a job. I don't care if you've, if you've got a business. I don't care if you're retired. Whatever it is, the works of your hands are blessed. So start believing the works of your hands are blessed. Start thanking God. Say, God, thank you, the works of my hands are blessed. Thank you that everything I put my hand to prospers. Thank you, Lord, opportunities come my way. Thank you, Lord, divine opportunities come my way. Thank you, Lord, I have favour with you. I have favour with man. I have a good understanding. Thank you, Lord, today deals are coming my way. I'm making money. I'm a giver. I'm a contributor. Start believing that, and it's amazing how your hands will be blessed. You know, work was always God's intention for us. He made us creative. He made us to work. In fact, in, in uh, Genesis 2.15, uh, God put Adam in the garden to work it and to keep it. That was before the fall, before it all went wrong. And Adam was very happy working the garden. You know, he made him to work the garden, to tend and to keep it. But then after the fall, after they disobeyed God, I believe it's Genesis 3.17, somewhere around there, God said to, an 18, God said to Adam, because you've disobeyed me, the, work, the, the ground is now cursed. Now notice, God didn't curse the ground. But he said the ground's cursed. He said the ground's cursed. So when you work now, there's going to be thorns and thistles in the ground. So imagine, Adam did the same work as he did before, but this time it was painful. The thorns, you know, the big thorns in the, you know, in the old days? Then big thorns were stabbing him. He was doing the same amount of work, but it was unproductive. He wasn't getting the same results. It was frustrating. How have you been there where you're working and it's not quite enough? You haven't got quite got enough money. The month's longer than your, than your paycheck. You're, you're frustrated. It's not quite working out. You're not prospering. Okay, this is what Adam was experiencing. But how do you know Jesus redeemed us from the curse? Galatians 3.13. Everything Jesus did at the cross was symbolic and it, and, it, and it redeemed us from something. And one of the things he did, they got a crown of thorns. Ever wondered why? I think it's Matthew 27, 29, somewhere around there. They got a crown of thorns and they weaved it and they put a crown of thorns on Jesus' head. Ever wondered why they did that? Those thorns on his head, in Genesis it says, you're going to eat by the sweat of your brow. They put them thorns on his head. He sweated blood. The blood run down his brow. And them thorns that were in the ground for Adam as a curse, Jesus took on his head and redeemed us from the curse of unfulfilled, painful, um, not quite enough work. Now the works of our hands are blessed. Jesus ensured it. All we've got to do is believe it. The works of our hands are blessed. We're not cursed anymore. The works of our hands are blessed. Um, so believe that, praise God. That's, that, the works of your hands are blessed. So do something. There's lots of opportunities out there. I haven't got time to go into them, but do something. Do, I've got a whole course on how to buy, sell, and repeat stuff, and, and you can start your own business through that, through eBay, through Craigslist. I know people that do that. There's ways you can do things. You can ask for promotions. You can, you can um, ask for extra work. You can do side jobs. You can start an internet company. You can do an experts industry and teach people how to do what you do naturally and charge them for it. There's so much stuff out there you can do. There's no excuse anymore to not put your hands to something. So put your hands to something and, it, and you'll be blessed, praise God. Put your hands to something and God will bless the works of your hands. The second thing is stewardship. How are you spending your money? The first thing is you work your hands. The second thing is stewardship. How are you spending your money? In um, Deuteronomy 8.28, God says he will bless our storehouses. Sorry, Deuteronomy 28.8. It says, the Lord will command a blessing. This is Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 8. The Lord will command a blessing on your storehouses. Now, let me ask you, what do you need to receive God's commanded blessing? A storehouse. 
If you don't have a storehouse, I'd encourage you, have a storehouse. And this is what I would do practically. I would open another bank, a separate bank, completely separate from your regular checking bank, with a different bank, and make sure it's free. Go in there and say, I want a free checking account, please. And they say, yes, sir. And then you say, no, no, I want a free checking account. And they say, yes, sir. And they say, I don't want an inactivity fee. I don't want an overactivity fee. I don't want a medium activity fee. I don't want a lack of use fee, overuse fee. I don't want any type of fee at all, no fees. 100% free. Is it free? And if they say yes, most, a lot of banks will give you a free, 100% free checking or savings. It doesn't matter. Savings now, the, the interest rate is not going to do anything for you. So don't worry about it. But just get a free account is my point. Pay money in there regularly. I don't care if it's $5 a month. Just pay money into that bank account regularly. And don't touch it. Just leave it. And don't have a debit card or a checkbook where you can go and spend it. Just leave it there. Completely separate from your own bank. And start building it up. And you watch God bless it. And be intentional about saving. You say, Ashley, I, I can't make money work. You know, at the moment, I'm, I run out of money all the time anyway. I haven't got enough money. Well, you're never going to get ahead if you don't learn to save something. Okay? Sell some of the junk in your house. If there's, I tell people, if you've got things in your house or in your garage or in your basement and you haven't used them for a year and they're not sentimental, sell it. And use that money and put it in that bank. But save up some money. And I know some of you, I know because over half Americans, 55% of Americans, do not have any savings. So I know that over half the people don't have savings. That means that they've never experienced that. When you experience that and you start saving, it's a blessing. It's not lack of faith. People say it's lack of faith. It's not lack of faith. It's godly to save some money. So save some money. That means you're going to have to make some extra money or spend a little bit less. But how many of you know it's not a great godly principle to spend 110% of what you make? I've got a friend who's a dentist. He probably makes $200,000 a year, but he spends $220,000 a year, and he's going down. I mean, I've got other friends who are like youth pastors and stuff, and they, you know, or whatever, and they make like $30,000 a year, but they spend like $20,000 a year, and they're increasing. So it doesn't matter how much you make, it's how you spend it. So stewardship is so important. How are you stewarding your money? Do you have a storehouse? Do you spend every dime that comes in? If you get a pay rise, do you, woohoo, I'm going to spend it. You know, or are you looking after what you've got and being a steward? This isn't a run around the church message, I know, but... And, but you know, steward what you got, think about what you got. This is all God's money. And think about it. And, and please, please, don't go into consumer debt where you can help it. I need a bigger car. I need a bigger sofa. I need a bigger. Ki- no, just, we've always had the philosophy if we can't buy it, we just don't buy it. And we've gone without sometimes. We have gone without sometimes. But you know what? Now we're able to give away things and build other people houses and be, give other people cars. So don't, if you can't afford it, don't buy it. Be a good steward. So the work of your hands, the stewardship of what you have, and the last one real quickly is how do you give? How's your giving? Some people say, now I'm not taking up an offering, so don't worry. This isn't like an offering talk so I can get some money. This isn't, this, so this is, I'm only doing this for your benefit. But I'm telling you, if we're not serious about our giving, we're not giving God permission to get serious about our getting. God gives seed to the sower. And we, you know, if we just consume it all upon ourselves, we're going to be at the Dead Sea and nothing's going to grow there. God wants us to be a river for his finances. God wants us, God wants us to distribute his finances. In, in Proverbs 11.24, this is one of my favourite verses, Proverbs 11.24 says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, yet it leads to poverty. There is one, and some translations says, There is one who gives, yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, yet it leads to poverty. This is the opposite of the world's way of thinking. This is the opposite of your natural mind. The world says, or your natural mind says, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. I mean, you just, it's all me, me, me. Mine, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. But how many of you know, in Colossians 1.13, you were translated, when you got born again, you went from one kingdom to another kingdom. You changed kingdom. 
And when you change kingdom, you change rules, you change laws, everything changed. And if you try and live by the old address, it doesn't work. In, in, nine years ago and two days, nine years ago and two days, we changed. We went from the Kingdom of England, Royal Britannia, and we came over to America. We changed kingdoms. And how many of you know, you do things differently in this kingdom than we do in the kingdom in England. You t- talk a different language for starters, without a doubt. I mean, there's, there's a, definitely. But I mean, I'm driving down Academy Boulevard, a three-lane highway, 45 miles an hour, just minding my own business, sun shining, got the worship music playing. I'm singing along, Katy Perry or something. And then, <laughs> and then, I got the eye of the tiger. And then, I see three cars coming head on towards me, three of them. I'm like, what? What are these three idiots doing on the wrong side of the road? And I'm like, it's me. I'm on the wrong side of the road. I've come out of a side turn, I've driven down the highway the wrong way because for 20 years I'm used to driving this side of the road. You guys drive on this side of the road. I mean, it's pretty serious. I did a quick U-turn. They pulled up the stoplight, told me I was number one. It was, it was great. But even now, even now sometimes, I'll get in, I pump gas, I'll get in the wrong side of the car. One time I got right in, opened the door, shut the door, put my seatbelt on, looked up, no steering wheel. Steering was over there. Because for 20 years the steering wheel's been on this side. It's changed now. It's on the other side. And then I think people might be watching and they think, look at that idiot. So I just play it cool. Open the glove box, look through there. The owner's manual. I was looking for the owner's manual. Get out, walk around. Get back in the right side. Here we go. It's all good. When we change kingdom, I had to learn to do things differently. Now, I could say, you know what, bless God, for 20 years I've driven on the left side of the road. I'm going to carry on driving the left side of the road. I don't care about what you guys do. I'm going to drive. I'd be dead by now, right? Yeah, I'd be very frustrated. It wouldn't work. Okay? I'm going to drive from this side of the car. I can, I can make it work. I'm going to be frustrated. It's not going to work. When you get born again, you become an ambassador. You're no longer, you're citizens of heaven. Your address is heaven now. You're just on loan to the earth. So stop trying to live by the earth's way of doing things. It doesn't work. You're going to get frustrated. It's the other way around when you're in the kingdom of God. In fact, everything in the kingdom of God takes faith and it's the opposite to the world's way. Think about it. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. You want to be the ruler of all, you've got to be the servant of all. You want, you've got an enemy, you love them. Someone wrongs you, forgive them. Someone steals from you, give them more. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind, but it's the power of God, praise God. It takes faith and that's where it's at. So if you want to get ahead financially, you've got to give. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. Your flesh is going to tell you off. What are you doing writing that big check for? You're going to die. No, it's going to be okay. What are you doing giving 10% of your salary away? You're going to, no, it's going to be okay. What are you doing giving this missionary this money? It's going to be okay. Your flesh won't like it because your flesh is still part of the world system. But your spirit's rejoicing. Yeah. God's told me to give some amounts of money away before now. It's like, I can't hear you, Lord. <laughs> I was like, gave this check once to this missionary. It was the biggest check I've ever written. It was a down payment for a house, but God told me to give it to this missionary. And he took it and he started crying. I started crying. And, and I wouldn't let go. <laughs> but you know what? I got in my truck and I drove home and God said, thank you. I was like, what? He said, thank you. I've been trying to get finances through you and now we've got a paid for house. We don't need a down payment anymore. I'm telling you, God wants to get money to you. He's the biggest giver. Anytime God asks you to give, it's not because he's trying to take from you. He's the biggest giver there is. The only reason he's trying to get you to give is so he can get more to you. He doesn't take. He's a giver, praise God. So you can trust God with your finances. Okay, amen? So the works of your hands. What are you putting your hands to? Be thinking about this week. What are you putting your hands to? Is there anything else you could put your hand to to make extra money? What about how are you spending money? This is God's money. You're a steward of God's money. So how are you spending your money? Are you being reckless? Are you living too big a lifestyle from what you really need? Can you save money somewhere? Can you make extra money? And then thirdly, how's your giving? Have you got a serious plan for your giving? Are you serious about your giving? Because as you get serious about your giving, God's going to get serious about your getting. 
giving. He gives seed to sowers, praise God. And the money you sow gets multiplied and gets given back to you. So you never have to worry about God taking from you. He's actually trying to give to you. Those three things are, are foundational things. It's like a tripod. If I had a tripod up here, it's like a tripod. You need all three of those things in order for God to build uh, practical prosperity in your life, to give you, give you financial prosperity, his way, the biblical way, the godly way, praise God. If you've just got one or two of them, it's going to be unstable. We need all three of those, and God's going to bless you. Amen? God wants to bless you.